0: Hello and welcome to Baseball Bite for people who'd rather listen to the game than to a podcast about it. It's a quick look at some of the stories from around the game over the weekend. As always, that pitch clock is running, plenty to get through. Let's play ball. Well, we can't say they didn't warn us. After the peculiarly truncated short season of 2020, and then the uncertainties of an off-season still plagued by COVID restrictions, we were told to expect that it might be difficult for many players to adjust back to the normal schedule. So we braced ourselves for the possibility of a lot more injuries than usual, and we have certainly seen that over the past month. What with each day bringing reports that are less baseball tonight, and more like Grey's Anatomy, when it comes to the litany of injuries we've been hearing about. The weekend alone brought disastrous news for Atlanta, with catcher Travis Darnot injured during Saturday's game against the Blue Jays, with a torn left thumb ligament which will require surgery. Crucially, that's on his catching hand, meaning it is by no means certain that he will be able to return this year. Equally devastating news for the White Sox after Luis Robert in his first at-bat against Cleveland on Saturday was pulled after falling to the ground running to first base. He had to be helped off the field with what was subsequently confirmed as a grade 3 right hip flexor strain. And as a grade 3 is a complete tear, it means that best case scenario, even without surgery, that will likely keep him out until the end of the summer. That alone would be bad news, but even worse when we consider the huge blow to the team that was the loss of his running mate in the outfield, Eloy Jiménez. So with center fielder Adam Engel also on the I.L., the likes of Andrew Vaughan and Adam Eaton are under even more pressure to perform and as a reminder that the life of an athlete can bring all sorts of dangers off the, off the field too thoughts of Carlos Correa and his painful encounter with an overexcited masseur does come to mind we also heard the bizarre news over the weekend that the reason why A star Jesus Luzado pitched so poorly and managed just three innings in Oakland's 8-4 loss to Baltimore on Saturday was that because before the game he had suffered a hairline fracture in his little finger due to slamming the table while playing a video game we can only assume he was losing in that game too either way manager Bob Melvin could not confirm how long Mr. Lozada might be out of action, but presumably will be playing the role of stern dad and monitoring closely from now on exactly how his kids play. But if there's a team that deserves a whole crash-bang wallop stat, then it surely would be the Brewers. A team that is charting a course through a tsunami of injuries, with 17 players on the I. L. Manager Craig Council has done his best juggling act possible, and with that by the weekend had shuffled 41 different players over 28 days. The bizarrest example of that recently being all the moving and shaking going on behind the plate. There was much alarm when catcher Omar Navaez suffered a left hamstring strain during Friday's game against the Dodgers and looks set to be out of action for at least a couple of weeks and with fellow backstop Manny Pina already on the IL Mario Feliciano was called up from the alternate training site for his major league debut on Saturday which at least went well for him having worked a walk and then scoring the winning run but with him and Luke Mailer the only two healthy catchers on the whole roster the Brewers clearly needed a little extra insurance and so their eyes turned to Jacob Nottingham someone who you could definitely call a familiar face as he'd been with the team 11 days earlier until being DFA'd and traded to Seattle But with the sudden need for a catcher, the cry of, better the devil you know, clearly went up in the Milwaukee front office, and they got on the phone to Seattle, and with yet more money-changing hands, flew him back on Saturday night, arriving at 1am, before he'd even managed to see how well that mariner shade of blue suited him. One thing that did seem to suit him was being back in American Family Field, where he hit two home runs in Sunday's game against the Dodgers, which although ended up being a 16-4 crushing defeat to LA, was, as well as contributing three runs, a victory at least for his air mile account it was not such a happy debut for brewers rookie starter alec bedinger who in his first major league start allowed the main chunk of those runs his 11 earned runs unfortunately not only the most in franchise history for a pitcher's debut but it also matched the record of ani munoz back in 2004 for the most in major league history allowed by any pitcher on their first outing and yet, and yet, in spite of all these shenanigans, Milwaukee sits astride the NL Central with a 17-12 and 12 winning record, albeit with St. Louis's very sharp elbows in the same spot. And how they manage to do that is for a variety of reasons. As the Athletics' Will Summon writes yesterday, excellent performances from the starting pitchers, a, de- a dependable bullpen, and crucially, in spite of not being the most consistent of offences, they certainly managed to get those timely hits when most needed. Of course, it also helps when your opponents have their own demons to wrestle with, and the Dodgers had cause the fear of four-game sweep as they limped into their final game on Sunday against the Brewers, having lost 10 out of 13, seven of those losses being one-run defeats. And they were already struggling with injuries throughout the roster, the absences of Cody Bellinger and Zach McKinstry being particularly felt, but with the bullpen clearly in tatters, already with their much-fated relievers such as David Price, Tony Gonsolin and Joe Kelly out of action, there was no mystery as to the reasons for that slump. And to make matters even worse, right-handed starter Dustin May, having to leave the game in the second inning on Saturday with what he described as shooting pains down his right arm, did do nothing to allay those fears which those fears which were intensified even further by confirmation yesterday that he will indeed need to have Tommy John surgery that will not only end his 2021 season but presumably take him out of much of 2022 Meanwhile, although the Brewers went on to lose yesterday's game against the visiting Phillies in a 4-3 loss, they still had something to smile about with the much-awaited return of both Christian Jelic and Lorenzo Cain. The latter certainly made sure there was no doubt that he was well and truly back, with 446-foot homer in the first inning, his longest since 2015. And with Mr. Jelic's 106 miles per hour single in the eighth, helping Milwaukee to produce a couple of runs, the get-well-soon cards seem to have done the trick for both of them. Oh, and someone else who was in hospital on Sunday, but for much happier reasons, was national starter Max Scherzer, who straight after pitching a 3-1 complete game win over Miami, and Washington's first three game sweeps in September 2019, rushed off to be at his wife Erica's side, who had gone into labour to have their third child. All done and dusted in a very nifty, Two hours and 37 minutes. Uh, The the game, that is, not the birth. So clearly next time MLB talks about pace of play, perhaps someone can suggest to Commissioner Manfred the maternity option as one way of speeding things up. Speaking of Miami, it was obviously not the best of weekends for the Marlins, who returned to Florida having lost seven games out of the ten on their road trip. It was unfortunate for them that Washington certainly seemed to be finding that mojo which it had seemingly lost of late. It was a rough Major League debut on Saturday for Miami rookie starter Paul Campbell. It's all got a lot worse with news yesterday that he had been suspended for 80 games after failing a test for one of those performance-enhancing drugs that I won't even attempt to pronounce. In that game on Saturday, one high point, though, was Marlins first baseman, Jesus Aguilar, who continues to impress with what is hoped to be a slugging return to the sort of numbers he was putting up back in 2018 with the Brewers when he was crushing 35 homers and drove in 108 runs. And seeing that he leads currently the National League with his 23 RBI, and Hobart on Saturday for the sixth time in eight games, he certainly looks like he's on course. But what with Starling Marte, and Anderson, Jazz Chisholm and Jorge Alfaro all on the IL, there's only so much heavy lifting one player can do. A couple of series over the weekend which saw continued simmering tensions were those of the Reds Cubs and Mets Phillies, both of which ended on Sunday in suitably roller coaster fashions. After the bench clearing incident on Saturday sparked by primarily Cincinnati's Amir Garrett and Cubs Javier Baez, Great American Ballpark saw the sort of filmic climax that is demanded by such a clash. It was, as Cubs manager David Ross remarked afterwards, more like a playoff game, or perhaps with those tensions in mind, he added, a heavyweight fight. And with both sides blasting five home runs each and a total of 30 hits, it was fitting that it was a fight of two equal titans into extra innings, finally broken by Nick Castellanis' walk-off RBI single, leading the Reds to a 13-12 victory. As for the mets phillies game, that was less Clash of the Titans and more Keystone Cops, what with some crazy plays, dreadful fielding mishaps, and the sort of imploding bullpen issues to strike a familiar pang of fear into any Phillies fan's heart. And all this coming off the tensions of Friday's bench-clearing incident, for which Phillies pitcher Jose Alvarado had received a three-game suspension, but was appealing it, so he was still free to step onto the mound on Sunday. And in light of how the box score then went decidedly pear-shaped for him, I suspect he may have wished he'd just chosen to accept his punishment instead and stay at home, and all concluding with a Rhys Hoskins game-tying home run, which was then declared not a home run, and so unable to prevent the eventual 8-7 Mets win. Not so much luck for the Mets yesterday, though, with their 6-5 loss to the Cardinals, which highlighted yet again the ongoing struggles of the New York offense, and in particular those of Francisco Lindor, whose hitting drought continues with his over 21 Hitler streak, the second worst of his career since he went over 27 in 2016. And I mentioned in Friday's episode that he was getting special attention from hitting coach Chili Davis. But seeing that Mr. Davis, along with his assistant Tom Slater, summarily got the boot after last night's game due to said struggles, Mr. Lindor will now need to find another Obi-Wan Kenobi to guide him to find the force within. And how's that for a contrived segue? Ah yes, not so much Darth, more like Darth Vader is here to remind me that this week's One Game to Rule Them All segment looks to tonight's first game of the much-anticipated Astros-Yankees series, which even without the added Made the Fourth touch, was a definite must watch. But ESPN will be doing a special Star Wars theme with apparently the broadcasters dressed as various characters, the mind boggles, including Tim Kirchen as Yoda, which comes to think about it, may actually scarily work. So with the Astros, the new kid on the dark side block, it'll be a chance to not only see two teams that have as much love for each other as a night out with Jabba the Hutt, but also help us decide who really is the true evil empire. As Dusty Baker said earlier today, it's going to be Wild Ah, that joyous sound of the mariner's home run born can only mean one thing. It's time for me to trot around the base and get myself home. But until next time, my friends, never forget that sometimes in life, a quick bite is all that you need. Make sure that you subscribe, follow at baseball bite. But until next time, happy baseball.